0: Hey Seattle, gobble,
1: gobble, gobble. It's November, it's Saturday night, and uh, hey, lo and behold, it's dark and rainy. Thank goodness, uh, tis the season for Thanksgiving and cocktails and entertaining. Uh, we've got about two months before we have to go on that big purge, uh, so let's rock it out. Um, I'm having a great time. Uh, actually, calling from, I'm calling the, the station today from uh, Cabo San Lucas. <laughs> and funny how we got a perfect connection. This is great. Uh, I've got my friend here who is Portfolio Manager, National Ambassador for Maison Ferrand, and that is a, a huge portfolio that uh, imports a variety of different spirits from around the world, many different countries. Um, we're talking about cognac. That'd be France. We've got gins from England. We've got uh, some wild products that we'll talk about later uh, in, in the month and some other shows. But we also have cognac. And uh, if you have not experienced cognac yet, you really should. I know that we have this big bourbon craze, and you know I love all the distilleries we have here. But to me, cognac is really one of the grandfathers, godfathers, the, the angels of our spirit. I mean, uh, We're talking hundreds of years of of distillation here, ever since they got those Olympic stills. And it's a very, very interesting area. It's uh, just north of Bordeaux, so it's kind of in the north, uh, sorry, southwest corner, uh, sud-west, but it's... Uh, just above the Gascony region, I believe, and yep. um, I got Rocky Yay here. Hey, Rocky, welcome back to Happy Hour. It's great to be back. Wow, look at that. Two weekends in a row, lucky me, and you became, you came bearing gifts. So yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, um, you know, I went through my gin phase, and I'm still in my gin phase, but I tell you, I, I discovered gin, the refreshment, the complexity, my palate, I learned how to enjoy gin um, two years ago in the summer, that really hot summer of 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that two years ago? <laughs>
2: it's, it's great for, it's definitely great for hot weather.
1: And then I fell in love with this drink called the Negroti. I, I said, oh, yes. are you kidding me? Campari, sweet vermouth, and gin, that can't be good. am like, oh my God. That, I've, uh, I've certainly got some uh, recycled bottles in my bin. <laughs> and it's almost
2: impossible to screw up because it's just equal parts. It is. Equal.
1: Yeah, except I tend to do heavier on the gin, I guess. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, and there's a lot of different gins out there. Let's talk about gin. Right. Gin uh, started in England? Um, Holland, actually. Oh, you're right. Sorry, Holland. Yeah. Jennifer. Yes. Nice nice catch. Yes. Look at you. You're a pro. I'm trying. <laughs> I like that. Thank you yeah. for saving me. I got to remember that because my grandfather's Dutch. So, yes, Jennifer. And uh, it had some f- sweetness, right? It wasn't right. dry at the it time. Was,
2: at that time, it was, it was sweetened. So, you know, it it was uh, it was more... I guess you know, quaff worthy, like quaff worthy. Yeah,
1: but it had the components. And here is what I do remember: is why was why does that start in in, uh, in Holland in the Netherlands?
2: Uh, you know, it's where it's where a lot of uh, distillation was was happening, and the power
1: know, of the Dutch the, trading the, companies yes, you know, that the ruled, ruled the seas. Yeah. And so they I were, mean,
2: I saw the other day that uh, if it was translated into modern day dollars. The uh, Dutch East Indies companies, the Viringe Overstiging Company, uh, would have been worth 27.1 trillion. Current dollars. Oh my goodness! I- Take that, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just can't even imagine twenty-seven trillion dollar. You know, well, worth. you
1: know, you get some free labor here and there. Yeah, there's that. You, Definitely you can sell that. a premium, and yep. uh, obviously, we think about the Dutch masters. So they were truly traders from mm-hmm. India, and of course, from the Caribbean, yep. uh, and of course, tobacco, uh, which they actually started farming out. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, tobacco became something cool, so they started colonizing right. these different islands, and and lo and behold, here we are in the twenty-first century, and Everything is cool.
2: Yes.
1: (laughs) Copacetic, Uh, especially if you're drinking
2: gin. So you brought a gin today. Tell me about this particular. So so this is um, a London dry style gin. This is Citadel Gin. This is produced by Maison Ferrand. And it is, so even though it's a London dry style gin, it's actually a French gin. So,
1: is this like one of those international babies that actually had a Dutch grandparent and his mother was from England and the father was just No, uh, so <laughs> the f-
2: so the funny part is that back in the day uh in France, you were not absolutely not allowed to use grain, you know, for fermentation or anything like that because every every last bit was needed to feed the sure, populace. Sure. Yes. And uh these but these guys up in the Citadel of Dunkirk got special dispensation from the king. You
1: mean Dunkirk, England?
2: Yeah. Or no, Dun, Dun, oh, Dunkirk- Oh, yeah, Dunkirk, on France, Kirk. the movie. Dun, yes. yes. Yeah, on the French side.
1: On the French side, right. Yeah. That Dunkirk.
2: Yes. And so they started making a gin, which, you know, by that time, the gin craze had hit had hit England. Uh, but obviously, you know, at that time, there was always tension and, you know, and or wars or whatever between Yeah, France the French and England, England did something that yeah. kind of spoiled it. Uh, but uh, one of the things- um, that we like to say about this was that, um, you know, the day after it was distilled, it was being smuggled into England.
1: All right, <laughs> the day after. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, so there's a variety of gins, and some ma- some simple components are the foundation of gin. Yes. By by nature, by law, doesn't it have to have like one ingredient? Specifically, it must.
2: It must have juniper. Right. It must have juniper to be called a gin. Yeah. Um, but in our case with Citadel, what also distinguishes it is that. This is the only gin that can be made in a cognac still, an Olympic cognac still within the, uh, the geographic bounds of cognac.
1: Really? Yeah,
2: we had to. So. That's an old grandfather or grandparent clause it's, in there somewhere. It is. That's exactly what it is. So it was one of those things where, you know, we were looking at our stills because, you know, by law, you can only, you can really only distill about six months out of the year uh, in cognac, actually right. distilling cognac. And. But the problem was then, all right, well, after we did get done cleaning the stills, they just sit there for half the year. And you're kind of like, well, that's, that's some a waste. some oatmeal. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. And so we were like, okay, so what else could we make? And then, you know, we were doing our uh, our owner and seller master, Alexander Gabriel, was doing a bunch of research and he discovered this this gin recipe. And he was like, oh, that'd be really cool to make this gin again. Um, So he then went to the... Uh, to the local bureaucrat who was in charge of enforcing all the regulations.
1: I thought you said bureaucrat for a <laughs> <Yeah. moment. laughs> Some and, guy in charge of the beer.
2: And this guy was like, "Well, I don't know about this." Isn't you know, and, and Alexander was like, "But there's n- there's no regulation that says that we cannot do it." And he said, "But there's also no regulation that says that you can."
1: Oh, well, it's the ones that can't that you got to work right. Out for. Exactly.
2: Of course, you, you can. know. And he's like very much one of those like you know old French guys who's just like. He's like, well, you know, if, if, if they had wanted us to do this, Napoleon would have written down. It's like, okay, Napoleon's been dead for how many hundreds of years? Come on. Let it go. All right. but 1835. Yeah. 35. Yeah, was, uh, so we literally waited about five years for him to retire, for that bureaucrat to retire. Went to his replacement, took him out to lunch. <laughs> said, look, we want to do this thing. I see. <laughs> and and uh, he's like, yeah, fine, whatever. There's no rule that says you can't do it. Just do it. There we go. Yeah. That's no, it. Fresh blood.
1: So this is actually... So Dunkirk is down in the... I thought Dunkirk, Dunkirk was... Is up, up towards the north. Right. Yes. Okay. But you're able to distill it. hmm And then what happens in Dunkirk?
2: Uh, so the the recipe just originates in Dunkirk, uh, at the Citadel in Dunkirk, which is why we call this Citadel. <coughs> Got it. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, have a sip. Um, oh, thank you,
1: sir. Yeah. May I have another? All right. So 19 botanicals. 19 botanicals. Well, the first thing that jumps out to me um, is is orange citrus. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. something very orangey about this. And I think, you know, uh, it's the power of orange. It is. (laughs) It is. It smells delightful. Um, And everything else is sort of on the back palate, which adds this soft complexity. It's Mm -hmm. not the juniper note... It has a little bit of of green herbaceousness, um, but it's not dominating. It's not powerful, and I think the orange really helps smooth everything out. Right. it's like it's the perfect uh, glue to keep these um, right. botanicals together.
2: By no means, you know, even though there's 19 botanicals in here, including juniper, we're not trying to hide the juniper. Everything's there to support the juniper.
1: I get it on the finish. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's a little bit of the green bite, which is. Mm-hmm. But this this texture is different. I mean, maybe I'm just. Getting older or maturing and losing some senses, but this is around. Um, it has some glycerol. It, it it's not sharp. I mean, mm-hmm. when I think of gins, especially London dry gins, right? I think there is a, a bite. There is sort of a medicinal note. Um, if it's beefy or Tanqueray, even can be a little harsh.
2: Right. Well, you know, all that comes down to what your botanical mix is and how you know and what you're doing uh, with that and how what what your ventral flavor profiles looking like, you know, we don't uh, you know, we don't add any glycerol or anything like that. It's just okay. That uh between the process of coming through the alembic still and then having you know all those botanicals in in support of each other, it re- it makes it very smooth. I like to think of it as being elegant.
1: I I agree. And for virgin, there's several different ways to uh extract the flavors from the botanicals. Right.
2: So we do what uh, we do what we call progressive infusion. Mm. Um, we have uh, we 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 load each botanical into what really looks like a giant steel coffin with perforations <laughs> in it. and uh, and then we know exactly how long we want each component to infuse
1: okay yeah and that's uh how long has this gin been being been produced then
2: uh so we just had the twentieth anniversary for it, really yeah, excellent, so it was
1: ahead of the curve, I would imagine because yep. you know gin. Gin came on, what, 12 years ago, let's Tanqueray, right? right? How do you Tanqueray? And Love I that. see that the big companies start pr- doing promos and mm-hmm. getting the word out. This is not your father's gin. I see that a lot of you know, younger people with the sh- no tie mm-hmm. and you know, trying to be ginny. And,
2: and, you know, it's really hard to beat something like Tanqueray like tan- like is definitely one of the granddaddies of the gin category. Yeah. It's only four, it's only four botanicals. So you're like wow. You're sitting there. Well, all right. Well, I know so one of them is juniper. What do
1: you think Tankeray Ten is? <laughs> it's
2: actually 10's actually named for the still. Really? This is still number ten. No way. Yeah.
1: So there's more. There's not ten
2: botanicals. Uh, I, I I think there's more than ten botanicals oh in boy, there. Oh boy. Wow. Yeah. Interesting.
1: So this is Citadel Gin. Um, is this gin uh, an English proof? I mean, doesn't gin come a out higher? As...
2: This is uh, this is eighty-eight proof. Eighty-eight. We want we want it to be a little higher. So that um you want all the, the Chinese flavors, to buy it. yeah, well, there's that, but also <laughs> all the flavors to really carry through in a cocktail, so like you know, when you have a martini or a Gibson or a Negroni with this, you know it's going to carry all the other flavors a little bit better just because it's got the higher proof to carry everything with
1: it right, and it's not quite as diluted, I get mm-hmm. that part, which is very cool. This is a lovely. And, um, do you serve, I mean, I like this temperature and I know that it is November and it's a Saturday night and it's probably 54 degrees outside or something like that. Yep. Uh, this is probably in your cart cause this to me is a very sippable temperature. Mm-hmm. I don't need to add ice to
2: this. There's no. nothing to cut here. No, you don't need to. You know, Not that I necessarily advocate drinking warm gin. That's another one of my colleagues. He does that oh. uh, for his brand. I'm like, okay, no. Okay. Well, I
1: believe there was a rock star <laughs> named uh, Gene Simmons who wrote a song called Cold Gin. So. Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that works. Price point on this? Uh, this is around $28. All
1: right. And available at- uh, Total, total right. uh, downtown, Esquin, Capco. Probably not the this, this grocery stores. I see the Diageos uh, we were starting, and the actually, uh, and...
2: This one is pretty- f- Fair, fairly well available at a bunch of uh, QFCs and Fred Meyer. Okay. Yeah. So, people with some autonomy, I mean, Yeah, <laughs> I yeah I the ones that have a little autonomy, uh that. PCC uh I think has it and Met or not Met Market, uh Central Market.
1: If someone's trying to get into gin for the first time, what cocktail would you suggest for
2: them? Uh, Honestly, Negroni is a great way to get people started.
1: Yeah, i Negroni could be scary because yeah. Campari is bitter, right? I mean, you know that's, but you can substitute uh, it's Aperol.
2: Very balanced. It, yeah. This is true. Um, or a Southside. Southside, yeah. Southside It's just really nice, simple. It's light. It's effervescent. Is that
1: so- soda and grapefruit?
2: Yeah. It's uh, it's soda. Uh, it's soda or champagne. I prefer champagne. Mm-hmm. Um, and a little lemon juice, a little simple syrup, and it's just oh know, yeah, and okay. A little mint. It's, it's super simple. Well, oh, it sounds great. like a
1: gin. Yeah. Uh, what do you call it? A French seventy five? Yeah,
2: sort of. But you know, uh, without not quite as complex.
1: Americanized it, French seventy six. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and this is still under the um, is there a citadelgin.com? Is there a website? There is a Citadel,
2: citadelgin.com, yes.
1: Is there one expression of this gin or are they do? No, there's others? multiples
2: now. Now, uh, we have the reserve, which is a uh which is Solera aged uh, gin.
1: So it's is it aged in stainless or is it aged in in, in, used in we're using barrel.
2: uh several different types of wood. We have our own used cognac barrels. We're using uh, acacia. Mm. We're using uh, acacia's ex- hardwood doesn't really mm-hmm, have a lot of flavor, right. so I get we're it. Using, uh, we're using we're uh, using ex uh, Chateau de barrels, you know. Okay. Yeah, you know things like that. Like and there's, but there's we, we're using several different types of, of barrels for this, and we're we're doing we're blending it in one of those giant, uh, uh, terrano egg vats. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Which, are hideously expensive. We, I'm sure. You know, we found out. Like,
1: Terenceau is a cooperage, right? Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I thought you were going to say, uh, you know, we blended in a giant osterizer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, folks, I got Rocky Ye, the uh, national ambassador for uh, Maison Ferrand, and we're going to taste some cognac coming up. Stick around. I'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio.
0: Putting America first and holding the powerful accountable. Sean Hannity. Weekdays, 6 to 9 p.m. Talk Radio 570 KVI. You're in the know with KVI one to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Well, oh, hey, Seattle. Hope you're having a great Saturday night, staying warm
1: and cozy or heading someplace delicious. And if you do, maybe you want to try an uh, after-dinner drink. You know, I mean, just something to sip on help digest uh, that beautiful meal, and I've got the perfect guy here. His name is Rocky Ye and uh, we were chatting about the Citadel Gin, but now we're on to a brown spirit, and this is one of my favorite. It's called Cognac. Hey,
2: Rocky, let's talk about this wonderful Cognac you got. How you doing? Uh, so I've, tonight I've brought two. Uh, one is our Pierre Ferrand 1840. It is a three-star style Cognac. It's an older style, uh, really, really popular mid 1800s. <laughs> Uh, It
1: was a hit on social media back then. Oh, absolutely. You know, (laughs) it was trending.
2: But this was, uh, this was the type of cognac that was being used for the original Sazerac. In fact, that's why it's called the Sazerac, because that cognac that they were using at the time was Sazerac de Forge Fields. Really? Yeah.
1: All right. Well, let's talk about cognac first. Cognac is a spirit, which is basically um, a distillation from, from wine, from right. grapes that have been fermented. It's a certain type of grapes. I think it's uh, Colombard, Trebbiano, Faux Blanche, and Uniblanque. Right? Blanc Right. Yeah. Uh, Primarily Blanc Okay. And the soil there in cognac is a delimited area. They've got There's, five different mm-hmm. Going, it's like the, it's like a big target, right? You've got it the is. outside, which is bois ordinaire. Yep. And you got fambois,
3: mm-hmm.
1: bon bois. Yep. Petite champagne, yep. and then grand champagne, yes. which is in the center. And this is based on part of that. Um, uh, what do they call it? The, the Paris Basin, which is limestone, chalk, calcareous marl that's All lifted that. up from the uh, ocean twenty million years ago, mm-hmm. and now has great um, a very. It offers tension in wine, which gives you acidity and this sense of purity, minerality, if I right. dare say it. Uh, and that's so that's cognac. But what makes cognac important is that it's actually distilled in a certain type of oak. Uh,
2: or or still. Still, yes, I mean. Yes, yeah. yeah. The, so it's uh, a very particular Alembic type still. Excellent. Uh,
1: and that is basically, Alembic is basically something from, from the Arabia, the Arabics, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yep. So they started... Learn, they learn how to make perfumes and tinctures and things like that by yep. just distillation, the creation of alcohol. And, well, we cut on, and luckily, uh, uh, Mohammed didn't drink, so... <laughs> works out. Yep. We've got two. You got two expressions. So three stars, something I'm not familiar with. I've seen it on some, um, what I'll call more affordable expressions of brandy, or they call it French brandy if they're mm-hmm. using three, four, five stars. Right. But there there was a, a significant uh, a level of, of quality distinction based on age, and that was right. very special, very special, pale, extra old, and then uh, extra rare, or ordage, uh, or... Things like that. So you have a cognac here. It's Pierre Ferrand, and this says mm-hmm. Premier Cru yes. de Cognac. Tell me so, about
2: that. Uh, we are crew designated because we're all single estate, and we're all from within Grand Champagne. Uh-huh. So, you know, and thanks to the Romans, you know, who were marching around everywhere, and everywhere <laughs> they saw chocolate. It's like, oh, Campania, you know. So hence, you know, you have so many things called, you know, Campania, Campania, You know, champagne, you know, all over the place, which obviously really makes the champagne you know, really kind of angry because they're like, no, we're champagne. Oh,
1: I know. Everybody's (laughs) got to be, this is me. This is who I am. Uh, Well, regardless, there's no champagne in cognac. They use that term uh, as a... um, Denotation of specific quality for the the distinct terroir that is in that delimited area of Grand Champagne, the petite champagne, et cetera. Yeah.
2: So we yeah, very, very chalky soil. Alright, this one's called eighteen forty. Yes. So we uh, set out to recreate that style of cognac that was popular in the mid eighteen hundreds that was being used for, you know, sazeracs Vucure, all those all those seminal cocktails.
1: Vu is an old cocktail, it's in an up glass and it's it's after Madame Curie, right? Uh,
2: <laughs> no, not quite Madame Curie. That was, ooh. <laughs> that was, no, this was, uh, Vue Curie was, was literally just named after the French quarter in uh, in New Orleans. Got it. it's just the old quarter. Okay. <laughs> Vue Calais.
1: Ah, got it. See, you know, it's funny how some, you know, I was just in France, I I, I know some French, but when you say it some ways, and it, our pronunciation is different, uh, now I get it. Yes, yeah, yeah. the old quarter. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now yeah. that makes sense. Okay, well, I can't add my own little <laughs> embellishments to this. I am not Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just took a sip of this. Um, mm-hmm. This is rather lively and fresh. This, yes,
2: this is a different style of cognac. Mm-hmm, it is. You know, so it's it's meant to be. It's it's a little bit younger for us. It's on the younger side of you know the components in this one are generally two to four years old. Um and it's a higher proof. It's ninety proof. Hmm. Wow. Really?
1: Yeah. There's a um, a real juicy fruit gum note to this. To, yes. For me, I'm yeah, getting that. I
2: get. I totally understand that. Um, and we want you know. So this is meant with that extra proof, with that extra just like pop flavor. Yeah. It's gonna stand up really well in a drink <laughs>
1: you will not be able to stand up very well but it will be perfectly st- <laughs> <That's right. laughs> up. um what kind of so tell me what what cocktail i mean to me people think um cognac in a snifter after mm-hmm. dinner waxing with poetic and blah right. blah blah a cigar yeah. but that's you know it's always the opposite of really what you want to do unless you're at that point that's what you want to do so right. for this one this is an aperitif this could be yes, used uh, in, in a
2: absolutely you know so, so like a sidecar would be perfect
1: i agree yeah yeah, I don't cuz sidecars they go down so quick. They do. I don't like using, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm conscious about. <laughs> 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 and some of these places um do you have a, a- what 's the place, the French place on the corner in Queen Anne the Toulouse Petite do yes. they got your products there uh,
2: they 've got a few okay, yeah.
1: good because uh they make good cocktails they do there. i they have do. been um the victim of their good mm. cocktail making uh, what 's the price here this is is this your entry expression uh
2: yeah, this is basically our entry expression,
1: and it even says premier cru de that mm-hmm. is cool yeah, I like
2: it, and so this will be on the shelf here around uh forty five to forty nine dollars right um this is
1: it's more exciting than bourbon. Yes. I think it's got a different The profile for bourbon to me tends to be uh, more dried apricot. This has more freshness to it, or, or peach, or whatever. You know, th- those flavors, citrus, oranges, et cetera. This has some of that. Cognac oak is different. Yes. It, yes, it is. And it adds a little different element, a little more of a je ne sais quoi. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, it's a
2: different grain. Yes. And, and obviously, you know, French oak being very different from American oak but we also work with several different cooperages. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we work with seven different cooperages, you know, and their own various little quirks and techniques. All right. Which, you know, before I went to go visit, I was like, it's a barrel, you know, how different can one barrel be from another? You know, it's, it's a six I see technology. clowns in the rodeo wearing <laughs> right. that thing. It's like, you know, it's like, it's, it's it's a technology that's, you know, hundreds of years old. And, you know, like how, haven't you learned everything? This is no. how we do. This yeah. is what we do. I exactly. Mean, yeah. No, and I, and I went to see and I'm like, okay, you are <laughs> definitely different from the guy next door.
1: <laughs> you are. Uh, well, considering different, you've got another cognac. Tell you me about do. this. So this is our hombre. Wait. Oh. ombre? Yes. No, there's, there's Spanish. hmm There's Mexican. Mm-hmm. And then there's Latin or something, right? Yeah, Om- no,
2: no, ombre. Just you know, for amber, amber, uh, yes. And so this is the kind of the beginning of our, um, of our sipping range, where you know it's at a, it's, it can be used as a mixed as a for mixed drinks or you can oh or perfectly nice for sipping as well.
1: Wow, that blows away most bourbons. I mean, you have to spend a lot of money for that flavor, mm-hmm. that that smoothness. Yeah. It's a Crown Royal smoothness, and, and that's I've grew up. <laughs> I like Crown Royal since <laughs> I was seventeen years old. <laughs> Bailey's and Crown—that's what we drink back in there. Um, this is absolutely delicious. How how many blends of cognacs and different ages are the, Is this particular expression?
2: Um, so the various components of this one are generally four to six years old, mm-hmm. and then uh, what actually really sets this one apart is that the vast majority of cognac in the world is all uni blanc. right? Yeah, I know because Wine Blanc was the grape that did best with the root graft post phylloxera Correct. and all that. Uh, but we wanted to introduce some of the reintroduce some of the other grapes. So in this case, this is ten percent Colombard.
1: Colombard, yeah. uh-huh. and not to be con- confused with that uh, California Colombard. No, 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 <laughs> nothing
2: like that. And the other, you know, and some of it is actually practical. Cognac is we've noticed that Cognac. The region itself. The weather is getting warmer over the last right. 10, 12 years. Uh-huh. Um, and while Uniblanca is the dominant grape, you know, because it, it was the most productive and hit the root graft really, really well, uh, as the weather gets warmer, its yield starts to go down. And, it, mm. and the fruit's not... Qu- it's harder to get the fruit to be as high a quality as you normally have. Wow. Interesting. Colombard, on the other hand, does better in warmer weather. Okay, so we started. So I
1: see that you so might as we, well. Yeah. You can't fight Mother Nature.
2: Nope. <laughs> so we started planning some Colombard and started introducing it into our blend, and um, and we got to a point where we're like, hey, we really like where we're going with this, and we were able to put a blend together that, you know, that mimicked the previous all uni blanc blend. So.
1: This is really delicious, and I love the flavor of oak on it. To me, um, it's not American oak. It's obviously not American oak. It's not, it's not dill and coconut. It's more spice. Um, there is some vanilla there. Um, it's more vanilla bean, and uh, really a wonderful sipper. Mm-hmm. This is a for me. It's a great aperitif. I like to start. Yeah.
2: Uh, price point for this. Uh, this one will be will be a little higher. This will be about forty nine to fifty two. on Yeah, the shelf but here. you
1: can't get you know you're talking buffalo Trace. Some of those great bourbons that everyone's like, oh, I got to right. try that. This this blows it out of the way. Right.
2: Or even you know even like compared to like other cognacs, we're just we're, we're at a really good price point.
1: Wow, um, this has been fantastic. Rocky, will you join me? Um, you know later on next month and talk about more some of the cool spirits you have. I know it's holiday Absolutely. season. going we do some entertaining. It's Rocky Yeh who is the uh, national ambassador for uh, Maison Ferrand. They've got Cognac, they've got rum, and they got gin, and I have so much fun. Hey, pal! Thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. All right, folks, uh, stick around. Be right back. We got more excitement coming up your way with uh, David DeClaire and all his cool events right here on Five Seventy KBI.
0: He's local. He's all Northwest. Lars Larson. Weekdays, noon to 3. Talk Radio 570 KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan.
1: All right, Seattle. Hey, hope you enjoyed that conversation with Laura Catena. And uh, I have a new conversation, much more local with my pal David DeClaire of Seattle Uncorked. Uh, hey, David, welcome back to Happy Hour.
4: Hey, it's always good to be here.
1: It is. Um, you've been gallivanting around the world. You produced about 300 events this year so far.
4: <laughs> <laughs> sure feels like it.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, you are a man on a mission. Um, tell us what's going on in the world of Seattle Uncorked. Well, you know, we're
4: always trying to find something in a different community. It's called Seattle Uncorked, but it really is the greater Seattle area. So we're always doing stuff on the east side. So we have things in Bellevue and things in Kirkland and now Bothell. We're, we Bothell. And all that. So, uh, coming up next is Bellingham, believe it or not. Oh, Something. Bellingham, huh? Bellingham. And they are all into it. Every time we do an event up there, it sells out. And they, you know, it's not just kids from the college, but it sure doesn't
1: hurt. Oh sure, and I guess Bellingham's a big retirement community, right? Isn't it relatively got the college town atmosphere with some industry, but also some retirees. It does. Although I
4: got to tell you that when you do these wine walks out there, it's a pretty much a girls' night out kind of experience. So uh, if you're a single guy, that would be a place to be.
1: Ah, Bellingham, right? Mm. Just you know, you got to be into some of that patchouli, perhaps, or <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's happening in Evergreen. So what's that called? That's the Bellingham. It's Bellingham Holiday Wine Walk. The Holiday Wine Walk, yeah. perfect. And what day is that? Now that's
4: actually up this weekend so
1: oh, okay excellent well um what's next on the calendar i mean basically we're getting ready for the holidays and i know everyone's busy during the holidays and december's almost upon us obviously thanksgiving takes it out um but you're also presenting uh, promoting some wines through Esquin, is that right
4: yeah so i write about wine once a week for Esquin. so we just feature one wine it could be from anywhere in the world so what I'm always trying to do is kind of keep it under twenty bucks if possible. Just, I mean, it's it's great if you find a forty dollars wine that tastes like a forty dollars wine, but it's what people are always looking for is what overdelivers So that's my mission,
1: <laughs> Mister Overdeliver yeah, I right. like it. Well, where can people find information about your your events and stuff?
4: Uh, well, for the most part, just go to seattleandcork.com, dot com, and there's always a, a lineup of things that are coming up.
1: And uh, do you have any other roles? Do you have any guest appearances? Are you promoting some? I think you were at the bridal show the other day or last month
4: well it wasn't the bridal show it was the events uh showcase oh right and there was the concierge uh, open house and there's always something you know going on
1: concierge open house i'm gonna go check that out yeah i can't believe you cookies and coffee yeah <laughs> you know everybody's always kissing up to the concierge <laughs> i know I should get a job like that We yeah. really you know rolling in that's all those perks mm-hmm. that's spoof well what else is happening uh you've got some you making wine this year
4: well, we actually did a collaboration, but it was under the under the radar, so we did, it wasn't actually for sale. But it was a collaboration with a couple winer winemakers, and so we just called it undercover sellers since we undercover didn't actually sellers. release it. Yeah, so that was kind of fun, and then we have another uh, another event, of course, another wine walk coming up in December in Bothell, which is uh, really kind of changing it a bit up because they like to uh, combine breweries and spirits as well. So Heck yeah. a little something for everybody. So the and the one of the things that happens in Washington, we have over three hundred distilleries, but they don't have a lot of opportunities to get out and show their wares. Yeah, three hundred distilleries. Yeah, it's crazy.
1: Oh my goodness. So they get, uh fighting for shelf space, man. I tell you, those. Those one-and-a-half liters of pop-off are taking a lot of room. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's in December. Now, you have some gift ideas as we close in on the event. You have some, some new gadgets. I have a gadget over here that I really wanted you to try. Really? Um, yeah, it's called the DrinkMate. It actually, it's a hand-sized CO2 gun that you can just pop in, like 16 ounces of liquid. So I brought some some things here to check out. It's uh, chocolate milk, uh, coconut water, and cranberry. Not to be, and then we're going to add some booze to it. See, see, if it really works. Wow, I didn't know we we're getting into this. I right? know we're going to get into it. So I need you to talk for a second. Okay, sounds
4: good. So one of the things that I think for gifts, which are you know always interesting, is getting something that's really personal to the person that is getting it. Uh, and as a lot of times you don't know what somebody necessarily likes. So then if you don't know what they're all into, what's personal to you? So maybe you went to a winery for the You know, during one of your road trips, and you found something you really loved, or you really connected to somebody, or you're on a wine club because you love the people. So, I always recommend doing something that kind of means something to you. And then, uh, you know, one of the other things that a lot of people don't do is they take a take uh, one of those metallic markers and. Write your name on it and happy holidays or something like that. So when they do go to open it, they remember that, you know, it came from you. Otherwise, it's just another bottle that they have no idea where they got that bottle later on. So it's always a nice kind of gift to do something like that.
1: That's a great idea. What is going on?
4: Well, I'm
1: playing with this new uh, drink mate. It's the size of a gun and it's I just put some coconut uh, water in there. Let's see if it turns out. If I can get the darn thing off.
4: Everybody's you know running for cover. It looks like it's going to explode.
1: It kind of does. I, I'm nervous. I, I've tracked this at home, but I wanted to see if it could take different kind of things to really make them unique. And I guess I really wanted to see if, if it could do the... Uh... What was that? <laughs> explosion. Oh, no. Uh, if it could mix with alcohol. I mean, so isn't that what we want? we want? So we what's it, what,
4: booze? What's the point? Just to in, infuse... Just uh, in, is it supposed to... Infuse carbonation is that
1: its point? Absolutely, that's the point. Okay, that's really strange. Is it really strange? Mm-hmm. Coconut water with with fizz?
4: Yeah, I don't know that I love it. Yeah, it's weird. But totally weird. You know, could you do it to milk? Will it will it hold in anything?
1: That's what we're gonna find out. So, what kind of cocktails would you want to make fizzy? I mean, do you having it like a margarita, maybe, huh? Yeah.
4: Well, I think for the most part, people love anything that's a little spritzy. And that's why probably Prosecco has made it such a big deal because it's easy to get along with and it's got the bubbles and it's cheap. So if you could basically take any cocktail and infuse a little carbonation in it, the only question I have is that, is that going to give you a headache? Because usually the bigger the bubble, the bigger the headache when it comes to
1: bubbles, right? This is too fun. I didn't really read the instructions first because, you know, I'm a guy. I don't do that stuff. Of course. But uh, (laughs) I just put the chocolate milk in here.
4: Oh, no. I don't think they're going to invite you back to the studio after this. Check it out. This is going to get to be a problem. Chocolate fuzzy, fizzy chocolate milk.
1: Well, that's weird, too. That's like a malted. There's something unique about it. <clears throat> it seems to change the flavor. Yeah. Well, it's because now it was interesting. We talk about the, the elegance of champagnes and the fine bead and maybe cremants, but you can taste that alcohol. Uh, the CO2 is a little bit bitter.
4: Yeah. I mean, because I, unless I haven't had chocolate milk in a while.
1: <laughs> Come on. I know that's your breakfast of champions, <laughs> right? <laughs> Carnation.
4: I like it but I would think that if it um you know, it's something like chocolate milk was totally recognizable, you would say, Hey, this is really strange. But if you had a regular cocktail you wouldn't know the difference of what that flavor is of the
1: CO two. Alright, so I'm gonna put <clears throat> vodka in here now. Let's see if it makes fizzy vodka. Oh boy. And let's
4: not mix that with the chocolate milk.
1: Oh, it's flavored. Oh
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it pop off?
1: Uh no, this is actually so if you ever go to Vegas. You go to the uh, Walmart across the street or whatever it is, and you buy a half gallon of the booze. It's on the lowest shelf. It's about 17 bucks. Really? <laughs> Heck, yeah. In Vegas? That's, that's one cocktail at the Bellagio. Plus, it, it's like crazy. So, you, I mean, you always buy a cocktail on the beach because you want to you know, chat with the, the natives. But uh, you, you want to get a free function going on. It starts with Colson. And I don't know where it's made. But, all right, here we go. This is Vodka. With a touch of chocolate.
4: Oh no! I've already mixed the uh, coconut water that was sparkling with the sparkling <laughs> chocolate milk. <clears throat> oh no! Did it explode? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Good thing this is radio.
1: Not really. <laughs>
4: oh, nothing but the best.
1: All right. I had. <laughs> okay, I should read the instructions. <laughs> um. So this is sparkling vodka with just a hint of chocolate. Hmm. Nothing like
4: a little haze of chocolate on that vodka. You know, it actually isn't bad.
1: Yeah, that's kind of cool. I know. I mean, that's straight vodka.
4: Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of one of the weirdest things I ever did when I used to work at Daniels is we had a little after party, and uh, somebody wanted me to make him a martini, and we had just uh, did some steak. So I cut up a little pieces of steak and put it in the shaker and shake shook it with the um, with the vodka, and they had a steak martini. And nobody knew what was in it, but they were like, "Oh my God, this is really good!" Oh. So you could actually come up with something really crazy—fizzy steak, and, uh, well, uh, or a fizzy chocolate martini.
1: Ah, hey, yes, it, uh, I need to hire somebody. I mean, I thought I was a professional bartender, but <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, we'll need—I'll uh, need some. Where's my uh, intern? We need to help some cl- help clean it up here. <laughs> All right, so SeattleOnCork.com. You've got the Bellingham Beer, Wine, and Spirits mm-hmm. Walk coming up. Uh, your idea for gifts is to say, write something nice with a metallic pen?
4: Yeah, well, that's one of them. You know, the funny thing is I have a friend who keeps a metallic pen in his car, and he always just signs a bottle before he gives it to him, but he makes his signature so sloppy they can't tell whose signature, and they think it's from the winemaker. They're like, wow, <laughs> you gave me a signed bottle. That's really cool.
1: That is one of the tricks. You save, you save some money that way yeah, and you yeah. know, save some time, because who can find those darn winemakers? They vamanos went right after, after Crush. <laughs> um, and you had a Crush event this year, right, down in Belltown?
4: Yeah, so that's where we close the street, and we have uh, wineries, breweries, distilleries, cideries, and live bands and all that, so it's called Belltown Crush, and that's an annual. So we'll be moving into the 6th annual this year.
1: 6th annual, fantastic. Yeah. Hey, it's David LeClaire. Um, I'm going to chat with David LeClaire and my f- friend, uh, chef from Asagio, the owner, Mauro Gomari. That's it. It's uh, yeah. We're gonna try some wine that he brought, and um, we're gonna tell you all about what's going on with him. So stick around on Happy Hour Radio.
0: Putting America first and holding the powerful accountable. Sean Hannity, weekdays 6 to 9 p.m. Talk Radio 570 KVI. You're in the know with KVI one and O Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, we got uh, three cool cats hanging out in the studio, one
1: bottle of wine in our final segment. I'd like to welcome my friend, uh, longtime chef and restaurateur, Moro Gomarvi. Uh, welcome to Happy Hour Radio.
3: Thank you, Chris, for having me here. It's a pretty special time for I me.
1: can't believe you just stopped by and you brought a bottle of wine. Tell us what wine you brought.
3: I brought the nice bottle of the Montepulciano. I mean, I have to impress you and David Leclerc here. You <laughs> both know your wine more than anybody else. But I brought the wine from my hometown, and it's called Roger de is It's 100% Montepulciano, which is, as you know, is a Sangiovese. And this wine is only produced in the market region, and the lady name is a Villanozzi. And she's one of the best winemakers of the region, become a businesswoman of the region. This wine, carry My Restaurant, is one of the most exceptional multiple channels. I always can throw people off and I give it to any sommelier and tell them, guess what kind of wine is it? And it's really impressive, isn't it?
1: It's an, quite impressive wine. This is seriously a world-class wine from a grape that's often, you know makes, I mean, they got Brunello, de Montalcino, but the uh, Montalcino del Bruzzo and from your town. Um, this is ripe, it's juicy, and it's structured. Um, and it's a big old bottle. It looks, I mean, it works
3: in this little glass. Yeah, I can see you turn the bottle four times. And David Leclerc kept trying to read in the back of them, and you go, "This is killer wine." <laughs> I'm so glad I could impress two legends here. Oh, uh, my
1: pleasure, David. What's your take on? I mean, Italian wines are perfect for holidays, right? Because you've got the great acidity and nice tannin and.
3: Well,
4: great for food, for sure. I think most Italian wines are a little bit abrupt if you're just sitting around sipping them, because they usually are meant to be sipped while you're eating, and most of us just sip while we're not eating. So to me, an Italian wine with food is the best way to go.
1: That's what I kind of meant, with the holiday meal and the holiday Mm -hmm. entertaining. because um, And this is something I would decant, too, because I think this is still pretty wound up tight. What's the vintage here?
3: I forgot the vintage, David. did you see without my glass? Is it twenty eleven?
1: Twenty eleven, great. Twenty eleven, and it's still pretty wound up. So that is like a, a serious
3: seven years wine, seven years old wine. That's, well, and that's the color on
4: this
1: wine is way darker than you would normally right. find in most Italian Sorry, wines. Sorry,
3: I forgot bringing the food for you guys, so I can match the wine. <laughs> we'll be, we we'll be we're <laughs> professionals. You, you will come in a restaurant after that.
1: <laughs> we'll let's get some steak. Let's just throw some chunks of steak in here. All right, right. <laughs> <laughs> like wine <laughs> uh, so fun. Well, Mauro, um you are celebrating a milestone here in any restaurant's career, especially in the Seattle area, the food and beverage. You are one of those people that uh, like Victor Rosalini and uh, Carrie Sear that came and, and really forged an identity. Um, what are we celebrating?
3: We're celebrating the 25 years of Asagio. 25 years ago, November 5th, I opened the door on Friday afternoon at 5 p.m. And I couldn't believe it's a 25 years later, I lost all my hair I put lots of weight on, but I'm still there, and I'm still doing it. And the people coming in, celebrating. I mean, the, the guy at the prom there, now he's a doctor. He got married. He got engaged in my restaurant. He got married. He brings his kids. It's really great to feel good, be part of Seattle, be connected the way I am to Seattle. It really, basically, I can say I love America. It's the best thing that <laughs> ever happened to me, to come to this country and... Being in Seattle, the McAfee, the food, the seafood, the produce. Now the wine, this, I mean, I was talking to David and I said, I'm celebrating with the Woodward Canyon, my 25th year anniversary. David go, but that's not Italian. I said, this is the whole point. Italian food, it really match for the wine and Washingtonian wine. What amazing producer we got right now. And they're producing the top, top best wine." In the whole world right now, we're competing with Italian, French, Spanian, I really feel proud to be part of Washington. I call Washington home. I really feel good, Chris.
1: Uh, It's fantastic. You look content, and uh, you look well tanned, or something like that, and very healthy. Uh, And to be in one spot for so long, I'm curious. What was the minimum wage back then? Was like two eighty five an
3: hour? Was it two seventeen an hour? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Now become a fifteen. But they still send a zero paycheck because they're all making the tip, as you know.
1: Uh-huh, right. But
3: it's, uh, you know, it's, it's been great. I mean, Seattle, Washington State, I think is the best place in the world you want to be is our state. We're very lucky to live here. I know there's lots of complain about the minimum wage and other you know, things. But, I mean, look where we are. Look what we got. And this is pretty amazing to me to be
1: here. It's fantastic. And I'm so pleased that you can stop by and share a glass of wine with us and, and help recognize, um, your contributions, not only to the, the world of Washington wine, but to, to Seattle and to good times. I'm thinking how many employees, you said a couple got married, right? Is that, I mean, we, maybe I
3: got, you know, I got, I produced one time, Seattle time by the pyramid about me, how many chef and a waiter and an owner and a manager I produce? It was a uh, lots of them, David. I you bet. know, they had the pyramid and I'm looking, I'm going, wow. It feels good to look. Well,
4: you've probably also not just had the uh, the kind of the umbrella underneath you of the people who've worked there, but also all the people who fell in love there, all the people who've met there for a first date, and now have all these you know kids behind them, and you probably have a lot to do with the history of a lot of people's Uh lives. David,
3: I want to write the book about that. I have two cookbooks I wrote, but I want to write the book really fast about the whole what I brought to Seattle.
1: All right, we'll check that out in. next week's show, or the following week's show, <laughs> so stick around. Hey, folks, hope you enjoyed it uh, with uh, Laura Zapata, Katana, and um, David DeClaire and Cole Komarvi. Remember, life's always better with a designated driver. Cheers!